Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Chatting with Dan yesterday via text in between races at Melton. He mentioned he was a bit keen on one here in Tipsy Turvy in race one, Dan. And uh, Johnny Cowdo has joined us. So I might throw to you, Dan, and you can uh, say good day to Johnny and ask him a few questions, see if you can confirm uh, your keenness on Tipsy Turvy. Yes, indeed. Um, well, of course, his wife puts the polish on it, uh, Marie, so I, I'm sure that uh, between the two of them, they'll have very positive things to say. She just looks like she's in the zone at the moment, I think, and key to her is a good barrier draw, and uh, she gets it. So John's with us. How are you, John? Yeah, good morning, Dan. Good, thanks. Yeah, tell me, I, when I first looked, I thought, A, the key here is the barrier draw. Three of her last four wins, she's, she's drawn either barrier one or two, and she just, um, last week's run, she just worked a little bit before she hit the front. And here, she might just drop into a good spot. I don't know whether she leads, but regardless, she's going to get a good run. Yeah, that's right, Dan. She's, well, obviously, drawing one's always a great help. And, um, yeah, she's a sort of, she's a bit funny going up the gate. She's either, she's on the right foot. She, she begins really well and... Um, and she could quite lead quite easily. Otherwise, some, sometimes she's just not on the right foot and you just got to hold her for 100, which probably means the two might cross me. So, um, here or there, it doesn't really matter too much. She comes off speed really well anyway. So, um, if, if she's trotting sweet, we'll keep rolling along. If she doesn't, well, we'll just take a sit. Yeah. She's in the right sort of race, even with Sangriang. You must be pretty happy with the two races you've been able to get for them uh, mm. tomorrow night. They, I always see them as similar type of horses. I think maybe Sangriang rightly is rated just above Tipsy Turvy, but I'm sure there's not a lot between the two of them, but they've both found really suitable races, I think, um, as tomorrow night. Yeah, that's right, Dan. Look, they've been great for the stable. Um, so we've had them since yearlings and they've... Well, they raced early as early two-year-olds and they've gone around every year and um, been pretty consistent. So we've been pretty happy with them. And yeah, Sangreal's probably just got more high speed. Um, she, 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 whereas Tipsy Turby just stays a lot better, I think. It's probably the difference between the two. But um, yeah, as you say, it's a nice race for Sangreal as well. She's going for She can run the gate not too bad. And mm. and uh, type of horses in the first three or four. She's got a good speed at the finish. So, uh, she, yeah, it's a bit of luck. She'll be uh, right in her. Yeah. Of the two, um, have you got a preference for the better winning chance on uh, tomorrow night? Probably Tipsy Turvy, just because she's going to either be in front or or behind the leader, probably, or, you know, whereas Sangreal might have to do a bit more. Um, so I, I would probably say that Tipsy, she seems to be just in the zone a bit too. She's, she's going really well and, and um, she sort of stepped up to the grade. The harder racing has, has seemed to have suited her. She, she seems to be thriving on it, so... She's one probably going forward with is going to um, just the way the racing's been going and, and going against the better horses. She, she seems to adapt, and whereas Sangreal, she's always just 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 likes to get it a little bit easier. And, and she, she probably even at home, she just doesn't doesn't cop the work like Tipsy Turvy does. And I see you're down for some drives on Sunday, Horsham. It's Cup Day at Horsham, and. Uh 
it's a long uh, trip for you. Hopefully you found someone uh, where you can be a navigator and they can drive for you. It always makes it more enjoyable, doesn't it, John? Yeah, absolutely, Dan, yeah. But at, at the moment, I think I'm on, I'm on my pat. Uh, I'll be just cruising along. But, uh, yeah, just driving a couple of mix, Ian Stanley mix, um, in Sydney. So, yeah, just uh, helping out there. And how's the stable size going at the moment? The boss, um, uh, Marie, uh, how is she and and, and the team? Because um, you, you've sort of got a, a just a nice uh, team to handle between the two of you. So have you extended on that or have you got something that's coming through that you're excited by as well? Yeah, look, then we only, we're probably only, we're working 15 at the moment. We only sort of work 12 to 15. We have for quite a few years now. So we, we pick and choose a fair bit or a little bit more hard on them um, one comes in, one goes out, type of thing. So, uh, yeah, you know, we've got um, actually, I think Marie's around here, running around. I've still got to work in somewhere. And um, <laughs> <laughs> now she's obviously out of earshot. She couldn't oh, hear that. I was about to say <laughs> the exact same yeah. thing, Dan. She's obviously yeah. not not within Absolutely. earshot. <laughs> I wouldn't have said it if she was beside me. Yeah, but we've got uh, Maserati, Mustang and Andover Sun, them type of horses. They're all nearly ready to go again. They're, they're ready to trial. So, um, yeah, yeah, and uh, hope, hopefully they, they've just got to take find another length and take the next step. And, and uh, yeah, might hopefully be a pretty good season. It's funny, you've got Tipsy Turvy and Sangreal, and, and I know Sangreal, you know, has probably got, got to a higher uh, level than Tipsy Turvy in some regard, but I don't see much between them. And you mentioned Maserati and Mustang, and they're two horses that I find nearly <laughs> cut from the same too. cloth as well. Yeah. But that must be good when you're working them, though. Yeah. Well, it is, yeah, they, they always work together. Yeah, and then, uh, as you said, well, well, Mustang and Maserati, they're, they're, they're four brothers and 12 months between them, and it's sort of funny enough, whatever Maserati's done... Twelve months later, Mustang seems seems to do it. So, um, and now that now obviously they're older and they've caught up to each other. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's nice, no, nice little little team here. So we just sort of keep going. Along. Did you know, John, that Dan's got a Mustang and a Maserati as well, but he just doesn't drive them to the trots? The toy Mattel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're already parked in his garage. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Johnny, uh, thanks so much for coming on, mate. Uh, have, a, have a good night on Saturday night, and uh, I'll see you out at Horsham on Sunday. Maybe you can uh, have a driver interview with you as I've got the long drive for trots vision. Yeah, no worries. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. Johnny Cowdo, who's got a key runner in race one, Dan Tipsy Turvey, who, as I said, you're a little bit keen on. Are you keener now? I think he, he sums it up pretty well. I suppose you just got to see if she's on her right foot or her left foot in the score up by the sounds of it. Yeah, but but I, I think you only have to look through her form and you can certainly deduce that she's a horse that pre- uh, appreciates a good gait and she gets it. We know she's going well enough. So I tend to think, because it's 1,720 metres, um, that's why it's probably more important for what John was talking about. I think she just has to hold a spot, whether she led or lead us back, and she's a good each-way bet. So one on top. The more forward she is in the run, the better the chance Majestic Chick, um, who's yeah. going really well, but um, uh, just got too far back again last time. But she's ready. She should be spot on as far as her fitness is concerned. Marengo Bay's a really nice type. I thought his run with lunch with uh, against lunch with Arthur last week was was terrific. And, uh, and number five, I've rounded out on the top four, which is Electrojet. But each way, one of my uh, better bets each way on the first tipsy-turvy. The tips are 1, 8, 10 and 5. Yeah, I've seen it a little bit different to you, Dan. I watched a Cyclone S. Adams gets out of the gate so well, I think... 
Uh, Luke Dunn will be pushing forward and definitely crossing Tipsy Turvey. And he did hand up at Kilmore. So I think Tipsy Turvey's leader's back at best. And Cyclone S. Adams has got a bit of an issue getting around that last turn at Melton. So just a little query around where Tipsy Turvey will be. And speaking of barrier draws, Golden Sunset's last seven barrier draws are seven, second row two, five, 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 seven. And its form in that time is four, three, two, one, two, two, five. Has been going absolutely terrific. I think there'll be a bit of speed on here early and it might just set up beautifully for Golden Sunset who can lob one, one, three back the outside. I was tossing, really tossing up between Golden Sunset and Marengo Bay. I've settled on Golden Sunset in a flip of the coin job, really. It'll be David Jack v. Juanita Breen. I can see some foxing at about the six, 700 metre mark as well. So I've ended up nine, Golden Sunset, ten, Marengo Bay. I think Cyclone S. Adams wasn't too bad at Kilmore and he's going to get a good pegs run. I've thrown him in for third at a bit of value and Majestic Chick, of course. I just had to get it in there somewhere because I think on all on any given race, it should be in the top four here. Uh, apologies uh, to every other runner. One, two, five, six, seven and 11 could all run a place on, on any... And you could run this race 15 times and get totally different results every mm. single time, that is for sure. Race... Two, the Lunar Lass three-year-old Trotters Classic. I didn't find this really too much easier to find the winner, Dan, but I think nearly everyone has isolated maybe it down to four or five runners in Grumpy, El Marvella. Uh, Paris Jamil is certainly a winning chance on its best efforts. Got feelings, you know, is trialled terrifically and exalted is probably the most brilliant of the lot, but probably the least trustworthy. I'm sure you would have narrowed it down to those five as well. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, pretty much. It's it's not a race that if you had your last last $10 um, that you could be too hopeful. But one thing you'd be confident of is that Exalted, if uh, if it did almost everything right, uh, notice the way I put that, Uh, if it did almost everything right, it, it can win this race. Um, in fact, in all four runs to date, I don't think that she's she's got it right um, yet. Yeah. Yet, and yet she's won two races and runner up in another. So um, she's still learning the caper. They all are. Um, so as you said, on one-on-one ability of what I've seen so far, I've got no hesitation in saying Exalted will win. But I know also she's probably just as likely to do something that is going to. A handicap her chances as well. She might be able to overcome it, but um, you know that's a real test if you're wanting to back them at two dollars seventy. Uh, Grumpy's got the draw uh, and and the the experience. It's won three races, so already has built up a pretty good record. Was no match at all in that race that Exalted won last start. So I think Grumpy relies on Exalted getting it wrong. There's a chance that could happen. Uh, Almar Vallet getting the job done now is building up a decent record, head full of confidence, very important for young trotters. And the debutant got feelings you know, who was scratched recently, wasn't it, Toby, for memory? Um, missed that. To think. No, I missed that. I didn't realise that. It has been a oh. while since a trial, though. been a month since a trial, so that makes sense. I'm trying to think it was it was scratched somewhere. I'm, I put it in the, the numbers uh, anyway. Yep. I could be wrong, but yep. I, I'm thinking it was one of them. It was scratched recently. So um, anything that uh, that comes through uh, a Yabby Dam, Brad Anton Galino uh, trained and, and a Nathan Jack Driven, you've got to put in. So uh, eight, two, three, six, naturally, if one or two of them make mistakes, those numbers, uh, you know, there's a few others that are right on the cusp. Paris Jamila disappointed me last start um, uh, under the circumstances, but her record is pretty good and naturally on her best form she could win as well.
Joe, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said there, to be honest. Exalted on exposed form and what we've seen is the best trotter in the race, but I can't trust her. Got feelings, you know, his trial record is outstanding. It won a trial at Bendigo, and I've looked at more the margins than the times. It won a trial at Bendigo last November by 50 metres, went back in January to Bendigo, won a trial by 20 metres. Then it won a trial at Bendigo with nine horses in the trial, which is really important, and it won that by uh, 30 metres. Steve Cleave sending a text. I think it was scratched from Exalta's uh, last win, that race right. at Melton. That must be when it was last scratched, uh, where, is what you're thinking of. Thank you, Steve. Uh, so, got feelings, you know, off its trial form, it could be a really nice horse. And there's something about Anton Galino putting it in this race first up that says it is a really nice horse. We just don't know how good it is, which is there's a question mark around Exalted. There's a question mark around get got feelings, you know. I think Grumpy and our Marvella just just didn't look comfortable at Melton in that exalted race for whatever reason, both of them. So I think they can improve off that. Neither did Paris Jamila for some reason. She just trotted not as good as she had on other occasions. Mm. So um, there's just question marks on all five of them, Dan. I, I ended up just going with number three, our Marvella. I think I trust her the most off her last two runs. Um, I'm clearly not that confident. Got feelings, you know. I've put in for second, exalted in for third on the basis. It, I'm just not confident enough it's going to do absolutely everything right in this race. And Paris Jamila in for fourth. An apology to Grumpy. I'm not sure how I didn't put it in the top four. But uh, as most people would pretty quickly understand, four do not go into five too often. And what's shaping as as the year goes on, if the three-year-old trotting fillies is going to be this even and this good, it's uh, going to be an intriguing year with the three-year-old trotting fillies and no doubt more horses to come back into it over coming days. Dan, we've got a couple of minutes here up our sleeve. Um, just quickly, I, we haven't heard from you. What did you make of uh, Catch a Wave and Captain Ravishing uh, last week? Well, Catch a Wave was fantastic. Um, uh, considering he, he qualified by about a half a head from the week before running top four in the, in the heat or, or the qualifying race, and he was absolutely outstanding. So well done to Andy Gaff. Um, we hear time and time again uh, from trainers and drivers and connections talking about horses just needing that one run at, at, at Menangle and um, obviously a slightly better draw, but we know how good Catch a Wave is. It's no shock that he could win a, a big race like that. So, um, But I suppose the shock was he could sit outside Captain Ravishing and do it. Captain Ravishing, the signs didn't look good to me right from the start because I saw him sweating up and I, I was actually with Rob Orber and I said, oh, this doesn't look good. And this was at the start and he's heavily sweating up. And uh, two things there that immediately come to mind when you see a horse sweating up. One, they're unsettled. Yeah. And, and B, they've, they've also got further improvement in them. If they've got weight to lose and they're sweating it off. I know for, uh, you know, previous examples. But, um, I, you know, because I've seen the horse often enough, I thought, just a little query. He's used up hard out of the gate, um, which is something we haven't seen of him before. He didn't pace right. His cadence wasn't great, and I identified mm. that. He started hanging and going inside pegs from the 600, and obviously he curled up pretty badly in the straight. Now, when that happens, uh, it's, it's not a good sign. You, you have concerns that things aren't quite right physically, um, and yet he still goes down fighting in a 149 on a track that was slightly affected. Uh, it was still an extraordinary performance. It, it was as big a head-scratcher as it would have been as if he'd come out and won by 20 because you just can't believe it. To get those 
aspects wrong, so many of them, and still run such a wonderful race. I'm trying to take away the fact he was at dollar fifteen. Yeah, people are referring to him as as the next coming of um, you know Christ in harness racing, Christian <laughs> Cullen or Popular Arm or whoever it might be. Yeah, um, his run was still uh, as much as it was a head scratcher. It was just still an extraordinary run because he did so much wrong in that race. Uh, one thing I've deduced is the barrier number one I thought could have been a query. I think it was. Yeah, I don't know if yep. he's really that comfortable when a horse covers him up. I think he's much better when he's sitting outside a horse or By he's himself. clearly in front and running mm. along. So mm. Catch a Wave, I think, was able to just put that uh, little bit of pressure on him to a degree and whether or not that was the reason why he started to hang and become a little bit vulnerable. But I thought his effort in defeat was quite amazing. Live on SEN Track. Welcome to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel. We've got going to get stuck into these races. We're going to have another guest come on at about 10 or 11 past 11 for race five. So uh, we might be a little bit behind. It won't matter if we're a little bit late for him. But race three, Dan, the Ling McPherson Memorial Breed for Speed Bronze Series Final. Very interesting races. A number of these horses have contested it, uh, this race several times in the past, which uh, Tetra actually won it in 2021 uh, and ran eighth in this race last year. So Tetra lines up for its third crack at a bronze series $14,000 race. Not the greatest horse of all time, Tetra, and I suppose that's the beauty of this series. Uh, it's another interesting race, Dan, but for cartographists, this looks like it's pretty obvious what will happen. What are your thoughts? Oh, okay. Um, I uh, I'm not big on map making. However, yes, yeah. however, um, I'm interested because initially when I looked at the race on what I saw of Lindy Grace last time, I thought, oh, well, she'll probably lead. But I thought there was another horse that could lead. So I'm interested in your cartography studies as to the obvious one that's going to lead. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Lindy Grace will lead. Dancers will hand up like. The two stable mates aren't going to go to war, are they? And then I don't think Doc Wilson will hand up to anything else because he's not going to want to bury his stable mate three back the fence. You? Well, I just thought Raining Lilies was a little chance of being able to cross both of them, particularly from a little bit wider out on the track. Um, I, I don't think that she has to lead to be able to win, but she's got enough gate speed that she could make it interesting early. Um, raining lily. So I, yeah, my um, cartography lessons have allowed me to have uh, B and C uh, maps, yeah. um, <laughs> and and I've included raining lilies with the possibility of leading. I, I like her. I like her. Her win at Bendigo was was excellent. Uh, I mean, they came home in a pretty slow quarter, but the first quarter was pretty quick with her working running a 27.5 to hit the front. And she just took the sting out of most of the other horses. Uh, the Barlini form line looks to be pretty good. Um, so, And she's seemingly at a bit of value as well, which um, surprises me a little bit. I thought she might be favourite. So I reckon there's one there at, at decent uh, value over the odds, at least at this stage. A lot of these horses there, you said, they've been either in this race or around this grade for quite some time. But uh, I thought her last one was really good. So... I have no hesitation in suggesting that Raining Lilies is going to be very hard to beat here. Lindy Grace, um, even if she did cross, she's probably going to get to the pegs, isn't she? And yeah. her last win, which was made it two from 31, it was uh, she held dances uh, pretty comfortably up the straight, I thought. And uh, 
she can probably do that again. It's over the short, remember, so they can afford to come out running here. Um, and uh, I thought they were the obvious two anyway. But uh, I wouldn't like to see Raining Lilies left park, but I do think she's going really well. So even some of the form around her, this prep, Elderberry and Bell, Paris, Jamila, Kai Valley, Sephora, I mean, that's that's solid enough form for horses of around this grade or maybe even slightly stronger. So six, four, one, and eight. Six, four, one, and eight for Dan. I, I tend to disagree, but that's okay. That's what it's all about. I've got majestic speed on top. I thought was terrific last start, was inconvenience, ran home really well in a fourth placing. So the 13 runs back down here for David Miles for the four wins. I think he'll get across into a lovely spot. I think Raining Lilies ends up coming across and giving Majestic Speed that ideal one-out, one-back position. Lindy Grace has a top two in its career of 22%. When it's led, it's finished in the top two 66% of the time. So it's much better when it's in front, Lindy Grace. That's why I think Doc will be really, um, really avid on holding the front. Uh, so my map's got uh, raining lilies in the chair, and I'm going out of town on that. Majestic speed to win ahead of Lindy Grace. Sally M will get into the race nicely from three back the pegs. He's an underrated trainer of Trotter's Grant Forest from up uh, in New South Wales, and I've got dancers in for fourth. Five, four, eight, and one for me. Uh, the race four is the Alan Mance Trot, and it's an intriguing little seven-horse field, this, and... I just think, Dan, again, there's going to be a lot of gate speed here. Oh, I can I don't know who'll end up in front. Bullion Harry's got gate speed. Hatchback is so good when he leads. O'Fortuna's really good in front as well. Won an Inter-Dominion heat. And Nephew Sunoco won an Inter-Dominion heat. And then you've got a horse like Is That A Bid that's had two runs back from a long layoff. And I think Victory Hill, who had that little hoof problem about six weeks ago, was a much better, you know, race last week and be much better for the run. Kai Valley Hotspur won a race called the Victorian Derby Heat and Final. How was off the scene for a long time, has had that one run back. Any horse could win this race, Dan. It's an intriguing race, made more intriguing with some of the things that you've pointed out for us here. <laughs> yeah. um, look, um, but it's also good to have uh, some last start winners in the race. And in this case, we've got three. Um, so that's a very uh, strong sign as far as horses, good horses like Boogan Harry, Hatchback and O'Fortuna are concerned because all of them really had, had gone, well, two of them at least, Hatchback in good grade and even O'Fortuna um, with a few poor runs in between, but uh, between wins, that is. So intriguing race. I think O'Fortuna's the one. When she's drawn out wide, she builds up that momentum and can cross them, but I think she needs to to win. Um, Hatchback probably doesn't need to, to lead to win. Uh, and Bullion Harry, likewise, he, he often can work his way to the top. So I'm not quite sure which one is going to have that advantage by being in front because whoever's there, it's going to be an advantage for them. Usually I default to O'Fortuna because I know that she can cross, but it mightn't be that easy. Uh, Are we leaving out nephew of Sunoco? Look, his form might have either fallen away a little bit. He's not in that purple patch of form he had uh, in the early to middle part of last year, but... He's come off a bit of a break uh, and he's fresh here. Uh, it might be the right sort of race where if there is enough pace on, it might suit a horse like him as well. I'm tipping six, five, three and seven. Um, each time I look at the race, I come up with uh, another aspect I'm including uh, in, uh, and is that a bids? The other one coming out of pretty strong form lines as well that you could easily include. So 
Uh, as I said, uh, if I don't write down my tips now, six, five, three, and seven, I'll be changing them again in about ten seconds' time. So if you ask me uh, what were my numbers again, they might change by the time you come back to me. All right, I've written them down: six, five, three, seven. For all the reasons you said, I ended up settling on is that a bid? I just think there might be that much speed on the race. Something will come from behind. I spoke to Rod Petrov actually at Cranbourne during the week. Didn't talk about this horse, just uh, talking about life in general. Geez, a lovely bloke, Rod. He's just something about him. He's got an energy or something. And uh, we had a good laugh together. I don't know. I'm not with any confidence in any way, shape or form in this race. Is that a bid on top? O Fortuna, she's a talented mare, and Craig Demel's done a wonderful job with this horse. Uh, won a heat of the Inter-Dominion, as I mentioned. Nossi, nephew of Sunoco, by his standards, has had a long spell. It was only about about probably a week, but I think that's about the longest spell he's had in a long time. He ran terrifically, as you said, to, up to the Inter-Dominion and won a heat of that Inter-Dominion, and that, that form will stand up, and I like the fact he has had that little freshen up. And then I threw Victory Hill in for fourth because I just don't want to leave it out because I just know it'll it'll be improved from that run last week. So that um, those are my numbers four, six, seven, and one. And we move on to race five. Uh, we were going to have a special guest here. He's just dropped off the line for some reason. So uh, I'll get your thoughts, Dan, on race five before uh, getting into mine. I've found one at big value here that I think is a much underrated horse and goes into this race off off a start that's, uh, yeah, well, it's going to be much improved. He's on the line there now, uh, allegedly. Yep, he is there. So, Dan, before we get to your thoughts, I'll, I'll catch you off on that. Matthew mm-hmm. Gath has joined us, trainer of Bella Lucy. First, Matt, uh, how are you and uh, whereabouts are you? Uh, just at home, mate. Uh, just, at the, uh, just at the stable. Um, yeah, finished the horses now and um, time to sweep up and wash a bit of gear. Mate. I've got you on because I really like this horse, Bella Lucy. As you know, she was racing terrifically last year. She finished off some races from well back in the field really hard. She, you threw her in an Echuca Cup, which was very special to her owners, I know. She's come back. She had a long layoff, which is a little query for me, but uh, came back and was terrific first up third at Bendigo. Just tell us a bit more about Bella Lucy and, and that long break and how she's come back. Uh, yeah, the break was uh, no particular reason. It was just sort of like she went home to the owner's place and just sort of got lost in transit there for a little bit too long. Um, yeah, it was, she had a break after the Echuca Cup. But she she broke the, broke the first corner and lost her shoe, uh, which is why she broke. But anyway, it was unfortunate happening in a better race like that. But um, yeah, she just had a little bit too long off. And then this race came up a, a little bit too soon really but it was on our doorstep and and she was fairly underdone for it so uh, you know, we gave her a little shot and um luckily she ended up getting a good run and then she's you know got through to the final but um yeah she just had a longer break than she needed and um yeah she she's um hopefully the fitness has uh, improved a lot which i don't think hopefully i know it has but um yeah, she'll still benefit from this week's run, but um, she's a lot better horse than she was in the heat anyway. Yeah, that's basically all I needed to hear, mate. I think you can get over into the running line pretty quickly as well if you follow Ebony's Avenger across. 
Yeah, it's, it's actually her first time back in the draw for a, a long time. I kept her out for a long time, and mm. I got her quiet trial on Monday night. Well, she did win by a long way, but didn't beat anything exotic. But she, she left the gate nicely, and so, you know, it's, it's a long time since she's actually been quite, you know, off the front line where you can come out. But she's, she's gathered a lot of confidence in the last 15 or so runs, and I, I don't think she'll do anything wrong. And... Um, um, yeah, I don't she'll have any trouble uh, sliding into a fairly good spot, I'd say. If Norm, Visker and Joan ring you and say, should we have a little bet at 31 and 460 now, they're pretty familiar to long shot winners at Melbourne. They got they won a Vic Bread size at about 100 to 1. Would you be telling them to have a little something at 31 and 460? I certainly wouldn't be stopping them. Um, you know, I think, <laughs> I think uh, about her grade, though, at the moment, there's some nice horses in it, and um, I don't know how far she'll go, but but this is a pretty even, pretty even bunch. There's some nice ones there that like the mile. Um, she's uh, she'll be well up to the task, I think. I don't know whether she's good enough to win, but uh, I think that uh, she'll be as good as any in it anyway. Hundred percent, mate. Uh, well, best of luck on Saturday night, and um, you know one thing for sure: I'll be cheering for you. I don't have a bet. Uh, but I will definitely be cheering for you because uh, I'll be making it my best value of the night. Yeah, I, like, I like your form. Very good. Thanks, Matty. Hey, bye. There's Maddie Gath, my best, and Dan, I'm tipping her on top, Bella Lucy. I think she had a great campaign last year. She was really getting the line hard in a couple of races. I saw her at Shepherd, and, gee, she got home hard. And if she can lob up in a, in a forward position, one out, one back, maybe three back the outside even, and she gets home hard like she did last prep behind some really nice horses, I think she's massive overs at currently 31 and 460. I've got her on top. Ebony's Avenger in for second, who I think can cross him and lead for a long, long part of this race. Rikiro Blaze, probably the best horse in the race, but it's got a little bit of uh, exalted about it. It just keeps making mistakes, which puts a real query around the horse. I've got it in for third. And Elder Baron Tanisha for Mel Thackeray is some sort of a story, Dan. She's trained 66 starters for 19 wins at 29% Mel Thackeray. Just... Just I'll run run those figures by our audience again. Sixty six starters, nineteen wins at twenty nine percent. Ran second in a heat, uh, Elder Baron Tanisha. It's only her fourth start, and I know Duncan McPherson has done a lot for Danny and Mel Thackeray over a long time. And what this would mean to Mel to win the Lynn McPherson Memorial Breed for Speed Silver Series final and Elder Baron Tanisha. I know she'd be just so proud, and Duncan would be so proud of her as well for having a horse in this race like Elder Baron Tanisha. Uh, it'll be some sort of a story if it could win the race. So I'm throwing it in for fourth, and my heart says that hopefully she can get up the inside and win with Chris Alford on board. How do you see this race, Dan? Look, you've made a really good uh, case for uh, for Bella Lucy and uh, and Elder and Tanisha. I, I think you know I've liked what I've seen of her and her three starts to date as well, and yeah, gets the good gate. But um, I, I can see why thirty one dollars looks attractive for Bella Lucy. I'll certainly. Um, <laughs> be suggesting that she goes in the in the quaddy, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I, look, Ebony's Avenger was knocking on the door for a while, coming through uh, racing against the uh, the better fillies pretty much right through her career. Um, so back to this sort of a, a grade in the lead-up, she appreciated it, and she's been winning with authority. So I think she's rightfully the favourite and clearly the one to beat. You mentioned Rikiro Blaze. I agree. I'm not sure you can uh, trust her, but she's got ability. She's got a good deal of ability, so she can very much win this race. 
Um, the, the, the draw suiting uh, Elderberry and Tanisha, lightly race, so she's got probably greater scope than most others in the race. And um, and a bit of Bella Lucy too. I've, I've uh, I hope you don't mind. Um, after a little <laughs> chat with uh, Matthew and listening to you, I've promoted. I thought to myself, I haven't published my tips anywhere, so they're not actually official yet. So I've slid her into fourth. I won't tell you the horse that I initially had fourth and then slipped out. Um, but uh, I, I I tend to think you've found something at good odds there that. You know, you, you could twist my arm and I'll have something little on. But three, nine, one, and four. Well, whoever that was for fourth, Dan, he's probably going to win that race now. <laughs> so yep. whoever it is, uh, we'll send you a text of of thanks afterwards because the betting gods or the tipping gods say that that horse is a certainty now. Well, I'm sure that, uh, <laughs> put it this way, this horse will end up with an abundance of extra fortune uh, uh, carrying it uh, along the way. Yeah. Uh, let's have a snooze <laughs> now for uh, four minutes and we'll come back and we will get stuck into race six. The tab... Australian Trotting Grand Prix. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel. Toby McKinnon with Dan Malecki and the Tab Australian Trotting Grand Prix on Saturday night. It's a great race. Just believe the favourite at $2.80. Uh, I'm ready, Jet, with that beautiful barrier in gate one at $4.50. Majestuoso at four eighty. Mufasa Metro at five fifty. Majestic Man at nine fifty. So many variables to this race as well, and I just don't think we'll ever unpack this and work this race out no matter what we do. But uh, the best of the business, Dan Malecki, has seen a lot of these races over many, many, many years. Oh, Dan, I don't know what to make of this. I, I think Just Believe's the best horse going around at the moment, but I ended up only getting him in for third because I just... Really? Yeah, I don't. And then I felt stupid for having him for third, but... I just, I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I want to hear your thoughts maybe before I give mine because I might do what you did with Bella Lucy and change them. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be twisting anyone's arm here. I'll tell yeah. you one thing I haven't done is looked at the prices, um, but oh, oh, my goodness. Yes, okay. <laughs> oh. Well, there we go. Um, Something's value. Yeah, absolutely. Um <laughs> Majestic man's. I know it was a stand start, but really he wasn't given any chance in the run, wasn't he? Um, his his run was extraordinary last start. He was entitled to run on, but he's carved out some amazing split. Now more depth here, different shape of race, but clearly he's going well. Um, surely that's overs. Surely it's overs. Big gear change. Um, what as far as the driver? Correct. He's a very <laughs> aggressive driver from a driver who uh, was very patient last week. Yeah, and look, the horse probably needed a run like that too. Don't True. get me wrong. Agree. It was quite Agree. extraordinary. Agree. Um, if he did settle at the back of the field, uh, he can come with one charge. Uh, he's a pretty quick beginner that he could really test it in the early part anyway, but he's over the odds. I, it's been extraordinary in a, in a few of this horse's runs. This prep. Remember when he won um, uh, five star, the Dullard Cup? Hmm. And uh, he, he, it was just this incredible drift and, and I, I kept looking at the horses he paraded just to see if everything was all right. He looked absolutely spot on. And I came around on Trot's Vision to sort of say, no, 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 there's something that doesn't add up here into why he's drifting because physically can't fault him. And he performed accordingly. He was just far too good. So clearly he's up to this opposition. He can do it tough against this opposition. He can lead or come from behind for that matter. So... 
Um, he, he's my top pick. I, I can't believe he's $9.50. I, I can't believe he's past $4, to be truthful. Um, and that is not taking in away the depth in the quality of this field. It's very good, very even. Just believe um, from a good gate, you know, I think he is deserving to be favourite. Um, Mafasa Metro, he, he could easily lead going really well. He's my third pick. I'm ready, Jen. I don't think she's going as well as she can, but she's going well enough. So that's my top four, seven, two, four, and one. Majestuoso is open for some improvement. Uh, Elderberry and Zeus, it wouldn't shock you if he was able to win. Sundon's Courage wouldn't shock you if he was able to place. Uh, and probably horses like Olive Each and even Credit Master was okay last week, pinched right on the line in Sydney. Seven, two, four, and one, seven clearly overs in my mind. Yeah, look, I could make a case here, Dan, for a number of these horses. So. Uh, I've left Majestic Man out of my top four, but I could see him winning this race. Uh, I've probably settled, um, if you put it in percentage terms, I'm 22% uh, confident on I'm Ready Jet uh, being a great chance in this race. She's four fifty in the dollar fifty. She's no real value in the race. That's probably unders, if anything, so I'm not suggesting to back her, but I've got her on top. I just think Nathan Jack's going to hold out uh, Just Believe at the start. And then Mufasa Metro will be the one that charges across to the front. He'd be really happy to hand up to Mufasa Metro. I don't think John Justice will hand up to anything else off the back of that great Southern Star run. And that puts I'm Ready Jet in a great position. She was pretty good last start, running second, uh, running third, sat parked, only beaten a metre. Uh, she ran second in, in 2021 to Majestuoso uh, in this race, I think, from, from memory. So uh, she's really... A great chance in this race, and they've opted to go in this race instead of the Breed for Speed, which was intriguing as well because she would have been a fantastic chance in the Breed for Speed. Well, of course, she's a fantastic chance in this. I've settled on her without much confidence ahead of Mufasa Metro in for second, just believe for third, and Majestuoso and Majestic Man are a toss up whether I'd pick them for fourth, but. Uh, I could make a case of all five of those winning this race in percentage terms. They'd all be about a 20% chance in my mind. So off the back of that, though, having said that, that would mean that Majestic Man should be the one I'm tipping at value at 950 and 250, and I've just left him out of my top four. Uh, and so I echo your thoughts. If if you're having a quaddy, they're the five I would be including. Uh, Elder Baron Zeus, as you said, He's just had no luck with draws. He won that Mary Mile. Credit Master's an interesting runner as well. He, he was second up to Van Sank last start at Menangle, and he's been brought back from Menangle uh, for this race, and then he'll go back to Menangle for um, the Hammerhead, which I think is the old Aquagate uh, next week. So Matty Craven's going to some effort to bring him down for this race. Uh, there was real excuses around what happened two starts back. He wasn't allowed to pre-race warm up at Menangle, which really threw the horse out of its routine. So last start, he went much better, it appears on paper, but there was excuses for that run. So he's not without a chance either. And, and Sundon's Courage, we haven't mentioned Sundon's Courage. He's had eight starts since the Inter-Dominion for a second, three-fourths and four-six, all in absolute top grade. He was three-fenced the last start, didn't get a run at a clear stage, ran sixth to Plymouth Chubb, and if he got the right run, he could blow him out as well. And Olavici's been making mistakes, and he was a horse that was going to take the world by storm and was going to Europe five months ago, and he's the one, another one we haven't mentioned. An amazing race, and looking forward to it, Dan. It's going to be you a great race now. to call. Hey? You've mentioned him now. Yeah, I have mentioned him now. We have to get them all out, I think, because <laughs> it is just a – I don't know whether 
things are so much better than they used to be in the sense that there's never a standout horse in the trotting ranks anymore. There's just so much yeah. depth. Yeah, that's a good sign, isn't it, I, I yeah. think. And um, you're right. We want to make a case for all of them. Uh, you yeah. want uh, money to be spread across all of them, and you can. You can make a case for every single horse in that race. If you want to play good cop, bad cop, you can do it really well uh, either way with every horse. Uh, it was a great TV show too, Dan. I don't know if you remember it. And his brother had Tourette's. There were some really funny moments in that TV show. <laughs> Lynn McPherson Memorial Breed for Speed Gold Series Final up after the 11.30 news. Well, the race isn't up after the 11.30 news. We'll preview it uh, up after the 11.30 news. Hold on to your seats. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Welcome back to the Friday form panel, the Ling McPherson Memorial Breed for Speed Gold Series Final. It's a Group 2 race for the Trotting Mares, and it's assembled quite the field too. And I suppose with I'm Ready Jet out of it, like she did last year, she qualified for this race, and she goes into the Australian Trotting Grand Prix, probably just evens it up that little bit more. Dan... Sleepy's been racing tremendously well, uh, second in the Mary Mole, second in the Night Pistol, second in the Heat, all in her last five. She came out of a terrific Inter-Dominion series off a long break. She mm. looks the horse to beat in this race. I assume she's favourite. I haven't really checked. Yeah, she's $2.30 favourite. She just looks the horse to beat in this race. She's just got the upper hand on the barrier draw. Yeah, look, she hasn't won for a long time as a result of spending some time out, but she's been knocking on the door that it's just triple bolted from the inside, isn't it? She's (laughs) going to get her chance. There's no doubt about that. Look, I'm tipping Hopeful Beauty, but it was a bit of a coin toss um, because of the respect for Sleepy, and I just thought one of those two uh, would uh, would win the race. Kiang Zena... Uh, is uh, scratched. Yep. Um, but Kiang Lavana has got to be a terrific chance. So she's my third pick. So I've gone six from five, eight. I thought they were the, the main three. Aldebaran Keeper, I, I, you might be able to uh, uh, update what you thought about her run. Uh, it was well below par last start, whether or not she could improve, but I couldn't have her on that run. So I've naturally slotted in Aldebaran Crescent uh, for fourth. So the, the four highest rated horses are in my top four, six, five, eight, and seven. Yeah, well, obviously on my preview there before I've gone with Sleepy, I think she works to the front and has the upper hand over Hopeful Beauty. Always like Hopeful Beauty from behind for some reason. I've seen her run some great races off leaders back and off a sit. Does she end up parked here? Maybe she doesn't because Elder Baron Crescent may go forward and try and get to the top like she did in her heat. She was terrific in her heat, Elder Baron Crescent. Uh, Kiang Lavana's been racing so well, but it's she's she's having a funny campaign where she won the Hamilton Cup over a distance, and then she ran over the short trip, ran second. She was back over the distance last week, ran fourth in a race where we thought she was probably harshly handicapped off thirty yeah. meters, should have been off twenty, and she only got beaten six point seven in the end, Dan, which says that. She probably should have won the race last week if she was only off 20, but that's not always how it works out. And to answer your question on an elder baron keeper, I've got a very high opinion of her. She won the Vic Oaks, of course. She was good when she won two starts back, but that was only 65 to 89 grade. And then 
I don't know, she just didn't seem right in that heat where she ran fifth. That was run at Shepparton at about 2.30 in the morning, I think, from memory. It was about race 19, wasn't it? I can't it? believe it was hidden away <laughs> that late. I, I don't know where I'd been. I'd gone out That's the whole right, night, come home. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think I was watching some uh, soccer match overseas, and this race come up with these <laughs> names, and I couldn't believe it, why it was hidden away. It reminded me like... You know, Beauty and the Beast, and Bell is is hidden away with a beast out of out of sight. You know, the quality horses like that. If they're the marquee horses, look, I I, I get it. If something's going to be a dollar thirty, as as I'm ready to it was, but surely it could have been race nine. Yeah, well, yeah. So whether that there was something to do with that, she I, I didn't go and look back into it, but she might have been there all night, knowing Brent Lee would have had a, multi, a big team there, and she might have even been a bit seasonal as well. The trotting mares, if they get a bit seasonal, they just they're just hopeless, you know. And a lot of mares this year, with such a wet spring, have been a bit seasonal a bit later through through the back part of summer. So there's reason she might have been off her game. So I'd be prepared to forgive her off that run and just give her one more try. And the other horse. Highly underrated uh, is the best bourbon. She she was really uh, unlucky in the Vicbred size early uh, late last year when she came down for that. Uh, had no real crack at them. She ran fourth in the heat and she was beaten a fair way. But again, I wonder what sort of a day it was. Uh, uh, how Grant got f- across from? I think he's just uh, oh he's about an hour south of Menangle, so it would have been a fair trip to Shepparton. So. I just wonder if she'll be improved from the run, and I see her getting a really good run on the leader's back, maybe three back the fence of the best bourbon. So in the end, I settled with five Sleepy, seven Elder Baron Crescent. I think she was terrific last start, and she replicates that with James Herbertson, who uh, could win on a rocking horse at the moment. The best bourbon I slotted in for third, and Hopeful Beauty, oh, I don't know why, but I've got... <laughs> Hopeful Beauty fourth. fourth. I don't know why, Dan, and when I listen to you, I look down and I think, oh, no, what have I done tipping it for fourth, but... Really? Yeah. Oh, I think she's the best horse in the race uh, by a little bit. you got Sleepy, uh, and she's flying, don't get me wrong. Sleepy hasn't won a race since August 21, and even Kiang Lavana has not won a mobile race since June 21, and yeah, here's Hopeful Beauty just... What she won in the last couple of seasons, she's won, what, one, two, three, four, five races. So um, that's why I like her. I think she knows where the winning post is. The other two, look, to a degree, they might have forgotten a little bit, but, uh, you know, I'm not saying they can't win, but uh, that's... Part of the reason why I went for Hopeful Beauty. Well, Hopeful Beauty and Sleepy dead heated in the Mary Mile for second. Hopeful Beauty ran sixth in the Cochrane Cup and Sleepy ran fifth. She ran six in a great Southern Star heat that Sleepy ran fourth in. And then last start, uh, Hopeful Beauty won the heat off a Sleepy's back and Sleepy ran second. So the two of them will see each other and it'll be like two best mates walking up at the bar. They'll be they'll look over to each other and say hello again. They've been knocking out against each other for some time. And what will but be the affair? I don't know who shouted is then. I'd imagine <laughs> it wouldn't be Sleepy's because uh, no, because no. she'll be half asleep. <laughs> Winner pays usually, so hopeful beauty would at least be shouting the first round. Yeah, very good. Let's get another breakaway. We'll come back. We've got two more races to get through: the Woodland Stud Trot and the IRT Australia Trot horses that I'd, I'd identified as my best bets, remembering that I wasn't sure what prices they were going to be, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. I will just what my best bet is as to something that's not ridiculously short. So race five, number three, Ebony's Avenger. It's at $1.95 at the moment. Um, the other one was Hopeful Beauty, which is $3.10, and and Shawnee, I thought, as well, but he's at $1.70, so he's the shortest of those three. So we'll make the best bets, race five, number three, race seven, number six. 
I thought each way number one in the first tipsy turvy and uh, and the other one each way surprised me because I really only got to see the prices this morning and that's Majestic Man at $9.50. I, I can't see how you could do uh, too much wrong there at that price. So each way, race one, number one, race six, number seven. Race six, number seven, Majestic Man as I write in these down. So five by three, Ebony's Avenger and seven by six, Hopeful Beauty. And then your each ways are Tipsy Turvy, one by one and six by seven, Majestic Man. You're a star, Dan. You got hell of a home at uh, good odds last week. We got Jillaby Willow as well. We had a great week last week. And uh, hopefully, uh, well, we're a good chance of getting plenty of winners because we've nearly tipped two or we've nearly tipped a horse yep. each and every race. And there's plenty of value there for the listeners, which we thank you. Yeah, maximising our chances. Yeah, we are, 100%. Good on you, Dan. Uh, we'll do it all again next week for our fourth and final one together, and then Jay Bond should be back. Great. Thanks, Toby. There's Dan Malecki, the great race caller and tipster. He's really underrated as a form analyst. And to get his views and opinions in an hour-and-a-half show is really remarkable, isn't it? Like, we just... We just sort of got to stop and pinch ourselves how lucky we are to get such expertise on a show like this from Dan Malecki, uh, who watches all these races every week. And and I see the work he puts in behind the scenes during race meetings. Like yesterday, he would have spent the whole day basically in between races at Melton working on, on the Saturday night craft and on the field, knowing the horses, knowing the form. He doesn't have to learn the colours because he puts so much effort and energy into it leading up, if that makes sense, on the night. He knows every horse in his mind. He knows the colours they've got on, etc. cetera, uh, until, of course, it's like the Teal campaign and there's four drivers of different colours. That can throw him a little bit of time, says it would anybody. But uh, such an honour to have someone like Dan Malecki on, a show, on our Trots Live Friday form panel. Let's get to the final break of the hour. I assume it's uh, Miles Fitzner at 12 o'clock with the Friday uh, form lounge. Friday form lounge. I think that's what it's called. And then there'll be big afternoon trackside. Stay tuned to SEN Track back after the break.